Hey, welcome to Life in the Leadership Lane, where we get to talk to leaders that are making a difference in the community and in our workplaces. How did they get started and what are they doing to just stay relevant, stay sharp in their leadership? And so today I have a very special guest. We're going to talk to my good friend, Jessica Hare. And Jessica is the Senior Vice President of Talent Attraction and Leadership for the Dallas Regional Chamber. Uh, we're going to learn more about Jessica and company and why companies are saying yes to Dallas. So, hey, welcome to the show, Jessica. Thank you so much for having me. I'm glad to be a part of this new programming that you're doing. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. And, you know, it seems like forever since you came and spoke to the North Texas Relocation Professionals, which was back in January of 2020, there's so much excitement going on uh, around the Dallas region. And so I definitely want to dive into that. But before we do, I want to dive into your story. And I just want to, you to just share with the, the viewers and the listeners of the podcast a little bit about your background, where you grew up, and what was your path like getting to the Dallas Regional Chamber? Yeah, great question. I get asked that a lot. Uh, you may not know this, Bruce but I'm a child of a corporate reload. So I grew up in upstate New York in a small town of about 2,000 people, and that was counting all of the dairy cows. And we, uh, my parents were entrepreneurs. My mother owned a video rental store before Blockbuster was a thing, and it's still in existence today in upstate New York. And uh, my father was an aerospace engineer at a company that was a division of GE. And so that company decided they wanted to move out of upstate New York and it was looking at Texas. In uh, particular was looking at uh, Alliance Airport. And so this would have been the mid nineties when they started looking into that. And so long story short, we up and moved the family that included also my brother and we relocated to the Fort Worth area of DFW. And I went off to college that same summer that we moved. So I was able to graduate high school in upstate New York and then launch my adult life in as a Texan. And so that's, that's how I got to Texas. And then my degree is in public administration and political science. And so as I moved into my master's degree at the University of North Texas, I learned about economic development and this thing called place marketing. And I thought, wow, you can help a community grow by marketing it. I want to do that. And so I kind of knew my path pretty early on and it was exciting. Uh, I started working at the North Central Texas Council of Governments, which is the, our region's metropolitan planning area. So did a lot of research and demographic work. And then a position opened at the Dallas Regional Chamber at the time was known as the Greater Dallas Chamber. And I applied and got the position as a research director. 15 years later, I am now the Senior VP of Talent Attraction, marketing the region to both companies and individuals. So that's the shortest story I can give you but along that path. I did meet my husband, who's a Dallas native, and we have two children, Charlotte, who is nine, and Alexander, who is six. Oh, wow. And, you know, uh, thinking about your role and attracting 
uh, companies and, and, and families to the Dallas area, you know what it's like to be like that reload, especially during a really a challenging time, right? I mean, you're in your high school years coming to Texas. I mean, uh, that's got to be, so you've experienced it uh, not only uh, as a relocatee, but as a teenager coming in to a new area as well, right? Yes, yes, that's absolutely true. So I can, I had the benefit of graduating high school, so I didn't get that uh, disruption in that period of my life. So it was nice to close one chapter before beginning the collegiate chapter. So there was an advantage there. But I definitely fell in that camp of uh, the myths of Dallas and Texas and what um, you think about what place is versus reality. Mm -hmm. and. I remember thinking, are they all cowboys and are they a lot of horses and really like barbecue? All and it seems really hot. Do people wear bathing suits all the time? I remember thinking that because you would always see in the time the newspaper where it would have USA Today and it'd have that weather map, and you'd see a hundred plus in Texas and think, God, how do they survive down there? And the answer is you bring a sweater to the movie theater. <laughs> Exactly. Oh my gosh. Uh, my wife definitely does that. So, you know, as you navigated and you, and you found, you found your lane, uh, you, you've been with the Dallas Regional Chamber for a long time um, and, and really this important initiative, you know, when was it that you knew, like in your career, like I'm doing what I love to do, my calling, my purpose, uh, I call it finding your lane. When, when did you know that moment? Was there a moment? I don't know. I remember in graduate school learning about economic development and place marketing. And so I think that's when maybe the lane was introduced. But getting to that lane, I got there pretty quickly. Um, starting off with the Council of Governments and getting that base knowledge of regional uh, demographics, just understanding population and how big our Dallas-Fort Worth area is. Then as I moved into the DRC, I started research, but I really wanted to be in that economic development department. So I just kind of waited for somebody to leave in that department and two people left. And the manager over that department, he's still there today, um, said, well, I'm not hiring two, I'm just gonna hire one. I was like, well, I can do job at two. Hire me, and he did. And so I think that was the point when I was like, I'll do the job of two people, um, and really kind of just started sprinting from there in, in my lane. And then when the opportunity was presented to me to lead Say Yes to Dallas, that national communications campaign showcasing not just why businesses move here, but why people should move here and the talent piece. That is what really solidified. I love marketing places, especially the Dallas-Fort Worth area. I love that. And, and I love how you tell the story about how you said, hey, I, I can do the job of two people. Um, were, there, were there any mentors that helped you along the way? Or did you just like, you just said, hey, I got this and you just navigated? Or, or were there some people that kind of helped you get to where you are today? Well, I have to mention my parents. Uh, they were 
you know, the initial mentors and teachers, my mother being an entrepreneur, I mean, to start a video rental store in the 80s, that's ahead of the curve where you could rent a VCR for $5 a week and then rent a video in your home. That's pretty entrepreneurial if you think about it. And so, and my dad being an aerospace engineer, I think they laid a good foundation that hard work will get you uh, far in life. And so they always set a carrot for me to go after that was an incentive base. And I always wanted to do well. So I, I, I would say my parents for sure. And then I think I've really been blessed with good teachers along the way, good professors and the collegiate experience. But then I, I've just always had great managers that I've learned from. And they're not all perfect, but I always have learned from them and always volunteered. If the chamber, for example, was doing a new thing or a new project, I would say, oh, I can do that. Oh, I want that. how can I be on that project team? So someone described me recently as a person who tinkers, you know, like tinkers with something and fixes it and then moves on to the next project. I, I just heard that yesterday, and I think it's a pretty good description of me, so I'm going to go with it. But whenever a new opportunity was presented, I always jumped. It might take me a few minutes to think through, is this the direction I want to go in? Does it fit in my leadership lane? Um, but yeah, always seizing that opportunity. And to answer your question about mentors, I've just been blessed with great managers and great peers along the way. I love that. I mean, it's all about who you're surrounded by. And uh... Uh, I think that I, I've been the same way. I've been blessed with great leadership my entire career. My parents are both entrepreneurs as well. So I can, it's all relatable what, you, what you're saying. It's like, oh, I get that. I get that. So let's, let's shift gears just a little bit. I want to talk about this incredible campaign that you have going on call it, called Saying Yes to Dallas. I want to hear from you a little bit. Uh, if you could maybe expand on maybe how that campaign got started. I know you've been through through leading that initiative. How did they yes. get started? And then why are companies saying yes to Dallas? Yeah, so uh, five years ago, we went through, uh, our organization went through a strategic plan and we're a membership organization. We have about 800 members and many of our members said, hey, great job recruiting companies. We, we know that companies want to move here and we've got a great value proposition for the business, we need to work on that talent piece because now we need the people. We've got great talent here native to our region, but we've got to also bring in talent from other areas so that we can fill those gaps in talent. So when you look at key occupations like legal, finance, architecture, engineering, basically anything that touches a computer, uh, it's a really tight labor market. So while we're working as an organization to upskill and reskill the native population, we also need to bring in talent. And so that's what our members said to us. So we decided that we wanted to stand up a department called Talent Attraction and an initiative focused on showcasing not just the job in the business case, but those quality of life reasons that people choose where they want to live. And so we believe that we've got a good value proposition from our low cost of living 
to great weather that does play a part coming from upstate New York. I can certainly say that. It's wonderful weather. I think around Mother's Day, there was snow where I'm from. That's not cool. Um, and so uh, aside from that, there's lots of things to do from parks and outdoor to having a great lifestyle and culture. Uh, so that's where Say Yes to Dallas comes in. We're a unique campaign in that we're showcasing the jobs intersecting with culture, what you do when you're not at work. Mm. And so it's helped the economic development business case when a company's looking to move here and they want to move their talent with them. They want to understand how they can talk to their people about what this move might mean. Kind of like my parents, my brother and I from the 90s. There just wasn't any, there wasn't even really websites then. And so having a resource like Say Yes to Dallas, my leadership story put me in a unique position to be able to provide those resources from that perspective. And so we offer a recruiting toolkit with lots of marketing materials and information for the recruiter. So essentially we're helping the HR leaders and recruiters of the world uh, sell Dallas. So if I like to say you sell your company and we help you sell the Dallas region. Now, I, I love that. I love that. Uh, there's a Say Yes to Dallas website uh, that I saw. I'm, I'm curious, so whenever a company is interested in coming to Dallas, is, uh, are you going out and doing the presentation? Is that you and your team putting together? What does that like picture look like uh, when a company is considering moving to the Dallas region? Sure. So, our we have a entire economic development department that's dedicated to corporate recruitment and so i use a sports analogy it's offense and defense so companies every day are coming to us whether they want to just open something small it's an expansion or they want to relocate uh, so we our services to help them navigate this big region of ours so that there's one place that they can go so they don't have to call 200 different cities to understand where to relocate. So that's kind of your reactive. Uh, but we also go on the offense where we're out uh, traveling essentially around the world. Uh, large part is domestic where we'll hit those high cost markets. The usual suspects, New York, Chicago, Los mm -hmm. Angeles, the Bay Area, uh, to talk to companies about um, considering the Dallas region. So we have a model that we, we use to figure out who might be receptive to a why Dallas pitch, and then essentially do cold calls and cold emails. And there's an entire team that does that. So we're always pitching, whether it's a response or we're on uh, the proactive, much like a sales job, you're just product is a place. Well, I know that Dallas has incredible, uh, uh, lot, lots to offer. I, I noticed though on the website, so I was looking at it, it talked about jobs, it talked about uh, living, parks, culture. I mean, it's, it's more than, I mean, this is a big, big campaign. So I have a couple of questions. One, how do you get the word out? Like, so today, I, I thought you I, I love that. I saw nice that. Say yes to Dallas Penn. I'm so excited uh, to wear that and represent the city. But uh, number one, how do you get the word out? And then number two, talk a little bit about the, that website because 
the website not only has those things that I talked about, but also at, uh, right now at a time where unemployment's high during COVID-19, there's also like a link for like connecting displaced workers as well. So you're doing a lot for the city of Dallas. Yes, and so it's not just the city of Dallas, it's for the entire region. So on our living section, every uh, community has a dedicated webpage that links off to their community, <clears throat> excuse me, so that we're showcasing all the options for living. Uh, but during- okay. So that's, that's a great point right there. So it's the region. So we're talking uh, McKinney, Frisco, Dit I mean the whole yep. Dallas region. Okay, perfect. Thank you for clarifying that. Yes, and uh, we try to break, we don't try, we break the region into 12 distinct areas. So if you're someone like my family, understanding this big area, it's 7.5 million people and over 200 communities to choose from. So that's a pretty big area. So we break it into 12 distinct sections so that you can understand and dive in based on where you might be working, you wanna choose where you're gonna be living or the reverse, where are you living? And then I wanna choose where I wanna work. So that website allows that because each community has their own unique personality um, and style. And then when you get into neighborhoods, those all have their own unique um, cultures and different experiences too. Uh, but yes, to answer your question about COVID-19, around mid-March, it became apparent that U.S. has got the coronavirus and it was reaching our front door and DFW had already hit the coast. And so I've got a really smart CEO, Dale Petrosky, who decided that we should start working from home. And we did that, I think man, it runs together, mid-March. <laughs> then um, we met on a Saturday as a senior team, and we decided that we were going to take our 13 different departments and organize them into two teams, except for the essential finance and HR. But the 13 departments would go into two teams. One was member engagement because we're a membership organization, and the other half of the team would be on an editorial team and uh, really focus on telling the story, supporting our members and supporting our members' stories and just elevating and boosting what they're doing, best practices, because we're in this together, right? So how can we tell that story of what our great members are doing during this time? And so in that process, unemployment started rising and we wanted to have a jobs resource for the native population to find jobs. And so we had put four years of energy into Say Yes to Dallas. So we shared that we made that section of the website in five days, but that was because we had four years of work ahead of that and built up a strong audience that recognized us as a leader in jobs. And so we've had great success with our Displaced Workers page. And we focused on the essential industry still hiring. So many companies are still hiring thousands of workers in DFW. They may be essential from your retail, Kroger, and your Tom Thumbs of the world, but also CVS, Walgreens. But then think of 
your Amazon warehouse distribution, a lot of those facilities are hiring massive amounts of workers. But many of our companies are still hiring in those key uh, uh, industry occupations I talked about. So from high tech, lots of high tech. High tech's real important. Should have put some stock in Zoom. Uh, so right. I saw they were doing some massive hiring as well. So those jobs are still being hired in a virtual environment. And as we return to the workplace, I think those will continue to be important because people are now more comfortable with the digital environment and working from home. So we've had um, more than 30,000 unique visitors visit that section of the website since we launched it in late March. 30,000 unique visitors. That's amazing. And then we use um, our partner on that is Indeed. Early on, we used um, survey work to decide what jobs portal we wanted to use. And many, 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 um, and both employers and um, candidates use Indeed as a search tool for jobs and for candidates or jobs. And so our survey work nationwide said it was really high, uh, 98% or something like that, people using Indeed, followed by the other other ones you might think of. So we went with Indeed, um, but we can see how much traffic is on that as well. So of all the job pages, we've had more than 150,000 jobs viewed on our website. So that would include multiple clicks, you going to the same job more than once, or returning later, and maybe you and I are looking at the same page. So our job is to connect people who are looking for jobs with the jobs in our region. And I think those stats on the page show that we're doing that. What I, what I love about that is that it's not just uh, you saying, hey, come, come to say yes to Dallas, say yes to the Dallas region. Uh, but what you're also saying is, um, hey, once you said yes, uh, we're gonna continue to add value uh, as a Dallas regional chamber. And that, to me, um, that's, that's like recruit and retain, right? You yes. Know, continue to find ways to add value to our members. Yes. And it didn't hurt that we had Emmett Smith as our ambassador and spokesperson <laughs> for that campaign. So I would be remiss if I didn't say the celebrity that was helping us with that campaign. He's a member of our board of directors. And uh, we reached out to him and asked if he was interested and got an overwhelming yes. And so uh, if you've been out and about, there's billboards, there's um, on, on top of taxi cabs, there's signs, there's also, uh, of course, digital advertising that we're doing as well as part of that campaign. So I would put a check mark on success for that. And hopefully people continue to find jobs and uh, get work as quickly as possible and it, and it still looks i mean just by what i've heard and observed uh, it still looks bright for the future i mean companies continue to say yes and so this campaign will just continue to go on for a while right i hope so my goal would be that we don't need a displaced workers page that everyone has ramped up there's lots of people using their crystal ball right now okay. and what like and so I, I don't know what that recovery looks like but I know that our job is just to connect those people who are looking to job for jobs or looking to reskill or upskill uh, use this time as an opportunity to do that then we can be a resource to help them 
get there. Along with our partners, we're partnering with the workforce boards based in the Dallas-Fort Worth region. So we have three workforce boards. So every county in Texas is assigned to a workforce board and they provide resources to workers. And they also bring workers to jobs to companies. And so we partnered with them on this initiative as well. Yeah, I mean, partnerships are so important. Uh, I, and you mentioned Emmett Smith earlier. There's also a video out on the Say Yes to Dallas uh, website. And, and, you know, as we talk about, you know, Emmett Smith, I mean, what a great leader and great ambassador for, for the uh, Dallas region. And I know that you get to be like around a lot of talented people. I mean, there's, I mean, within your organization, membership, uh, yeah. and you know, life in the leadership lane is all about like what what are the common threads? How can we grow as a leader? And so I was just wondering if you know, are there any like traits that you've seen that uh, that you think is a common thread to being a good leader? and anything you've been able to pull out into your leadership? I've always been about the fun. I think you know that about me. When I present, presented to the Relo group, I made it fun. That's how you got that pin. I came out of it, and if you answered the question right, then you got a pin. So I've always been about the fun. Um, it's like, Mary Poppins said, a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. And so that's kind of my leadership value is that bring the fun and work can be fun. I'm blessed to be where I want to be in terms of my passion in place marketing. And so um, it's easy to bring the fun. And so telling jokes, doing different things is definitely part of my leadership core values and positivity. But also trust. Um, I think that trust is one of the most important values in a leader. And um, I once heard a speaker at the DRC give a talk on um, just leadership qualities. And trust was one of them. And the quote he said that is stuck with me. This was maybe two years ago. Um, trust is built one drop at a time, but it's lost in buckets. That is so good. Oh man, I'm going to write that down. Yeah. Trust is, bu is built one drop at a time, but is lost in buckets. Yeah. I heard John Maxwell uh, say one time, trust is the foundation of leadership. And without trust, you just, you can't be a leader. So I appreciate yes. I think it, it, it's a core value, I think, in a lot of leaders. If you have trust, then it can also keep you accountable. And your leaders. You said earlier that you were surrounded by a lot of great uh, leaders along your journey. I mean, that's probably one of those common threads. You thought they were great because you trusted them uh, on the advice they gave mm -hmm. you. Right? Yes. And they, at my career at the DRC, they people that uh, are my managers or peers have always trusted me to do it the way we should do it, or we've collaborated and gotten to a solution together. Um, and that I love to have autonomy and I like to drive. And so trust to be having that ability to drive is definitely key, but it's earned one drop at a time. 
I love that. You're right. So, it's earned. You didn't just. Yeah, you don't just it, get right? it. Yeah, but you can lose it in buckets. So you have to treat it like it's a treasure. That's great. That's a great takeaway uh, right there for sure. Yeah, so bring the fun. But don't forget the trust. Yeah. Oh, I, I may that. be silly, but trust me to get the job done. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me tell you, when I heard, I've heard you speak a couple of times, um, and at the North Texas Reload, uh, that meeting was all about fun. I, it was very informative, but fun is the way it, it, it started. You started with fun, you ended with fun, a lot of information, but at the end of the day, you walked away with a good experience because you were fun. Yes, that's my goal when I'm up at the podium because uh, economic research data can get a little boring if you don't bring the fun. So I gamified it and said, I'm going to bring these pins. People love prizes, especially when they're free. Well, I know in your, in your role, um, at le leading teams, leading groups, I know that leaderships, it's not, it's not easy, but we do know it's every day. I mean, you have to be leading every day. And so I was just curious if you could share with the listeners and the viewers, uh, if you could share a little bit about a typical day. And I know things might have changed in the last six weeks, just a little bit as a working parent. But what does a day look like for Jessica Hare? It, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure, you, you, you know, you, you don't just randomly get up and just say, hey, what am I going to do today? What are some common practices that you have in place that you do each day as, as a leader? Yeah. Um, as I look back on the last 60 to maybe 90 days, I'm not counting. Um, the home, working from home hasn't been that different. Now, I do have two kids at home. I got a and a kindergartner, so I've got lots of hats right now. And so I find that when I would be in the office normally taking breaks to socialize with coworkers, I'm socializing with the home coworkers that are the children. And so it's just a different lifestyle uh, to where when I would take those social breaks, I'm now spending that time doing the virtual learning. But a typical day when we're in the office at the DRC is not ever typical. So my goal is to make it as typical as possible. And I set um, good structures in place where I block my calendar in the morning, in the afternoon, every day. And I put out of office. I don't put the busy, I'm just out of office, even though I'm actually in the office. And then I block the entire Friday where I really try not to take any external meetings or calls or anything. And I protect that time so that I have time to think about strategy and the things that you just, during the hustle of being busy, you lose productivity. So that's a thing I try to do. It doesn't always happen, nobody's perfect, but blocking that time. And I still do that today. I block the mornings and I block the afternoons. Um, and I do block Fridays as well. Um, I found quickly in this work from home, you'll have these back-to-back -back conference video calls. But that's time to take a break. And so I've started putting more blocks. I'm getting the hang of this work from home thing now. But one of the things I quickly did was set that boundary. I've got to get these kids learning. They can't, a kindergartner can't navigate this on his own. He's six. So I would do lunch and learn. I'd block 90 minutes every day at lunch and I would do a lunch and learn. And I'd spend time with each child just where 
stuck? What do you need? Um, so that they had that. So we weren't at seven o'clock at night trying to get it done. So it was my lunch and learn and everybody at the office knew it was professor hair time. And I started every morning, we have an 8.30 call at work. So at, from eight to 8.30 was homeroom. So I would set them up 15 minutes per child um, to set them up for the day. And I would say, okay, I can help you at this time for 15 minutes. And then we've got lunch and learn for 90 minutes. And that's what we did. Was not perfect every day. Um, but just so I think something I've learned along the way is setting those boundaries. Um, not sure I really answered a typical day, but that's a typical day to keep it typical. I, yeah, no, I, I love that a, a lot. Setting the boundaries, blocking time. I absolutely love the lunch and learns. And I think the, the, the main thing is this, is that I heard Urban Meyer say this one time and he said, uh, good leaders uh, have plans, great leaders have systems. And so basically what you're saying is, I have some systems in place, is every day perfect? No, but I have systems in place to help me stay on track, right? Mm -hmm. And the other change I made, I replaced my commute home, with, there and back, obviously my commute to work, um, which was about 30 minutes. And I would spend that time listening to music or podcast or talking with a friend. And I said, I still need that downtime. So I added just walking around the neighborhood. And so um, probably walk an hour to 90 minutes every day. Sometimes I'm just listening to nature and the people around me and fast cars if they're driving too fast in the neighborhood. Or I'm listening to a podcast or chatting on the phone with a friend or music. And that gives you that time to process the day and get ready for the next day. My, my best ideas come during that time. They would come on the commute. And so now they're coming on my walk. And someone along the way said the ideas come when you have cracks, which might sound funny, but I, I've kept that with me. I have no idea who said it. But when you have cracks in your life, that's space for the water to flow. And so if you don't create those cracks in space, like blocking your calendar, going for that walk, your ideas and um, innovation and idea won't come to you. So whether it's a commute or a walk, somehow I'm going to keep that walk in there because it's something I've enjoyed, even if it's starting to get hot out. I, I really like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What a great message. Um, replacing your commute with something intentional. Summarizing this, you can write my book. <laughs> I can't wait to read your book when it's out. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, I got about five, uh, five, ten minutes left on the show. I want to just okay. have fun here, and I like to call this "It's time to accelerate." All and right, let's do it. I'm ready. Questions? Yeah. So, first question: uh, book or podcast? Podcast. Got any favorites? Yes, I love Andy Stanley's Leadership Podcast. If you've not heard of it, it's amazing. Uh, he runs a congregation of churches in the Atlanta area. And his leadership podcast is not necessarily the church message. He has that podcast, but this one is about how he leads across many uh, different teams and structures. And 
He's got great summaries in his uh, podcast recaps. Um, the other one I listen to a lot is Women at Work from Harvard Business Review. It's relatively new. I think they're on their third season. It's really good and just gives some nuggets. It's two to three women talking and they'll bring in different exemplars of their practice talking about just women leading and, and I've learned a lot from that one as well. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, Two we favorites. can learn so much from a podcast. Uh, yeah. I was going to ask you a favorite restaurant, but I'm pretty sure you're not going to like pick a place in the Dallas region. So how about favorite food? Favorite food? Man, um, my husband is an amazing cook and does a lot of the uh, smoking on the smoker. So we call it the Smoky Hairs because my last name is Hair. And uh, I'm going to go with my husband's ribs or brisket. How about that? I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm ready to come over there and eat some of that. Oh my God. If you told me that when I was 18, moving from New York, I would have laughed. That Mexican food. What? No. Texas. That's right. Tex-Mex. What's Tex-Mex? How about, uh, I know you mentioned earlier, you're starting to do some walking. Any other hobbies that, that you have that you like to do? I know yeah. It's a I, too, probably. I do like bike ride. I've got a mountain bike and we've got, I uh, live in Valley Ranch area. So Campion Trail is really close. I can hop on the bike outside of the house and hit the trail there. Um, that's a big hobby. I spend a lot of time with family. Since I've been home, I've slowly been redecorating areas of the house. So we'll go with new decorator. <laughs> Fun awesome. to spruce up and refresh places. So that's probably a hobby as well. Awesome. As soon as the, uh, this, this stay at home world is over, got any favorite uh, vacation spots? Oh, vacation spots. Well, I'm a proponent for the staycation, even though we've been working from home. So my son and I took him for a drive just to get out of the house and we made a bucket list. What do we do when we first get out? And we're going to the Nasher. I've never taken the kids to see the Nasher uh, sculpture uh, museum. So I want to do that with them. It's a nice outdoor space. Um, so I'm excited about that. But to answer your question about vacation, love Florida, that's where my parents live, retired mm -hmm. there. And I would love to go back to upstate New York. I haven't been there in a long time in the Adirondacks area. And I just want to sit on one of those Adirondack chairs and watch the sunset and keep doing nothing. Oh, that doing nothing. That sounds amazing. Uh, yeah. So, okay. So final question. And this question. All right, I'm ready. I, I, I share this question because I, I love the group Mercy Me and I, they have a great song called Dear Younger Me and I've always thought about, you know, what was like 10 years from now, what's 10 years, Jessica, 10 years from now, saying to Jessica today, uh, what is she thanking her for, what is she upset about, what is she saying 10 years uh, to Jessica today? Um, if I could rewind to January, and 10 years from now, Jessica, tell 10 years ago, Jessica in January, tell her, buckle up. <laughs> buckle up. But I think that term, this too shall pass, 
is valuable. I love that. Yeah. Oh. It's hard. Bruce, I wasn't planning on getting emotional. It's going to go away. Hey, you know what? We're all in it. But that's, if I could rewind and talk to my January self when I gave that presentation, I would say, it's going to be fine. You're going to get a great schedule. You're going to get a great system in place to use your words. And you're actually going to have fun because how we've reorganized and done different things. I've learned so much. It's been so fun. And for all the stressful days that there were, this too shall pass. Because you're always evolving, you're always growing, and every time you have a challenge in life, you learn something. And you should look at this time of disruption as opportunity. And so I think that's what I would tell myself in Q1 of <laughs> <laughs> is that look at this time as opportunity i listen I, I first of all i want to say thank you for sharing that i think yeah we all needed to hear that because i think that's true for most of us is that we i'm not sure if we were ready to buckle up but but we have and we've learned yeah grown it's been hard it's been a struggle but we're all going to be better and i love i was on at a conference recently uh, virtually and the keynote speaker shared something his message to his team and that is this i let it's three words we're going to be better than before btb better than before and I, I, when you said that just now, I thought about that. I thought, you know what? We're going to be better. It's hard. This is really a struggle, but we're all going to be better than before. So I, I just appreciate you sharing that. Can you, um, for, for, the, for the viewers and the listeners out there, can you share if they wanted to learn more about how they could connect with you or how they can learn more about this Say Yes to Dallas, how, how would they go about doing that? Sure. So Say Yes to Dallas is a website and social media platform. So you can find the campaign on sayyestodallas.com. Pretty simple. And then at Say Yes to Dallas on all the social media platforms. If you want to engage with me, LinkedIn is where I'm at. I'm on Twitter, but I think I have one follower and it might be a coworker. I'm more of a lurker there, but LinkedIn is where I go for information and to share information. And so I love to connect with people on LinkedIn. And of course you can always find me at the Dallas Regional Chamber. <laughs> That's right. Hey, <laughs> thank you for just uh, sharing your life in the leadership lane. Uh, and you're definitely driving in the leadership lane. I appreciate you. And I appreciate you saying yes to this interview. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Bruce. I'm glad to be part of it.